My name's Joanne Averson, and you are so welcome to Series 3 of my podcast. Enjoy. In this episode of the podcast, I'm going to talk about something that I've talked about before, but that I really want to underline because the more people that I talk to and I teach and present to and present with and work with, the more aware I am that the very foundations of how we do anatomy and how we study what I call the holy trinity of our studies of the human body, the more we study anatomy, physiology, biomechanics, the more questions are coming up Because of this situation where somebody who is a movement teacher, for example, it could be any movement teacher, fitness or um, Pilates or yoga or even the martial arts, whatever your movement modality is, dance, whatever. I come across kind of two distinct bands, and that is the people that are absolutely devoted to the movement and the magic of the movement and the people that want to demonstrate their knowledge of the movement by naming the anatomy that's moving. So what I often come across is people naming muscles, muscle attachments, um, different systems, certain biomechanical truths and usually brandishing some research along with it, as if that proves their point, to demonstrate how well they understand the movement. And then I might meet someone who says, oh, I I, I wasn't very good at school. I I went into movement because I I wasn't good at the academics and I couldn't do maths or physics or chemistry or biology and I didn't do any of that. But I understand movement and they move well. And they talk about the steps and they talk about shapes and they talk in a very, very different language. Now, there's all sorts of variations on those two themes. However, I want to make a couple of points here. One is, and I'll say it till I'm in my grave, movement is not an intellectual process. I'm going to say that again. Movement is not an intellectual process. Movement is based in present time awareness. How you move now and how you work with someone in present time. You can't breathe or move in anything other than present time. And all your knowledge and all your wisdom and all your experience and everything you've done in your body is accumulated in your tissue as you. So the wisdom, the knowledge, the understanding of that is within you in a non-intellectual way. And that is a very valid foundation for teaching movement from that wisdom. 
So that's the champion ice skater that teaches ice skating from being an ice skater. That's the dancer that teaches dance from their experience. Not by shouting at somebody, telling them what to do next, but by working with them, by changing their movement patterns, by moving with them moving. Now, on the other side, you... I don't want to make this a duality thing, but, you know, like the other end of the other type that I was talking about is the very knowledgeable movement teacher or practitioner that's just talking in anatomy as if that somehow makes them as good as the mover that moves or were still better and better qualified because they know the names of the origins and the insertions of the muscles and which movements work with which muscles. Hmm. And this is based in a Western idea. Well, I'm going to read you a paragraph from my book because that says it for me better than I'm saying it. Sorry, I'm so passionate about this. It's kind of, I'm getting a bit tongue-tied, so please forgive me. I'm going to read this. It's one of the opening paragraphs. When we begin to study how the body is formed scientifically, particularly in the West, we tend to veer away from whole embodiment, preferring to examine the detail, separated or broken down into its component parts. We turn to various works based on long-held theories in the fields of anatomy, physiology and biomechanics. This approach requires the naming of our parts, understanding our physical systems and explaining how we move deduced from those parts. Think about that. We learn the locations which parts are where, which is the topography. We explain the systems in which those parts function, the biology and the chemistry, and describe the movement or locomotive apparatus and how it works under various aspects of biomechanical and neurological theory. Muscle bone joint anatomy is the foundation on which we base our understanding of any movement modality. Awareness of the being inside the moving body is largely assigned to the study of psychology or more esoteric practices as if they are separate. To understand how we do the postures, and that would include movements in any field, we focus on the musculoskeletal system to name which muscles move which bones via their specific attachments. By learning how the nervous system works and assigning specific nerves to each muscle and functions, we seek to explain which actions do which movements. This explains the postures and the movements accordingly. Or does it? Now, I say that very carefully, very thoughtfully, and 
I want to give you an idea that we move not biomechanically, but bioemotionally. And somebody wrote to me recently asking me if the word bioemotional is synonymous with biomechanics. And I don't really have the authority to answer that question in the sense of a formal answer, but informally, as me, I will say that I don't believe there is a single mechanical aspect to our nonlinear biological forms anywhere. Our minds can behave mechanically. You know, they can literally be like trigger and then mechanically we go into autopilot. And we don't even necessarily know. I'll give you an example of that. A very, very dear friend of mine told me about um, a post-surgical procedure that her brother had to go through recently. And I was upset and reeling for 24 hours in a real state and I couldn't work it out. And it wasn't till I was talking about it to somebody 48 hours later that I remembered that I had had that surgical procedure when I was two years old. And something very, very deep in me, something in my unconscious, withdrew and resorted to my child archetype within a nanosecond of hearing that. It had nothing to do with my friend, nothing to do with my compassion for her and her brother and everything to do with something deep inside me buried 60 years ago that remembered going through an emergency surgical procedure that required the same process. No fun at all. Why do I say that? Because something in my mind was automatically triggered regardless of how grown up and sensible I am and the fact that I knew it's not me and this is many thousands of miles away from me doesn't make any difference. Our minds go into auto mode. Our bodies, however, do not function mechanically. And when I made up the word bioemotional, I made it up because we are emotional creatures. We have a physical realm. We have an imaginal or astral realm. We have an emotional realm. We have a mental realm. We have an etheric or subconscious or unconscious realm. And we have the realm of soul or spirit. Now, they're not separate. They're like different thicknesses of texture. And that's how the fascia works. The fascia has different thicknesses of texture. But it's an, essentially a fluid medium. It's made of bound water with all kinds of stuff in it and all different densifications and textures. So when we talk about ourselves as mechanical, functioning like a, some sort of car or washing machine, you know, or a, 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 I don't know what, some sort of blender, we think about it, it's what we do. I mean, we put food in one end and it comes out the other and we juice it as it goes through with juicing machines, if you want to say that. But that's being really silly. And yet, 
the machine idea is the one that runs through all the so-called laws of biomechanics. And who am I to judge? Well, I don't move mechanically. And when I had to have surgery 14 months ago, and thank you, National Health Service in the UK, for your exquisite treatment of me, I needed to restore movement. And I can assure you, I did not do the same thing twice. There was nothing mechanical about it at all. The first day, I I literally, I was like a bird with a broken wing. I couldn't move. So I used my imagination and I did the movements in my imagination as if I was doing them. And I kept doing that. And after a few days, I found that I could do a little bit more. I was actually measuring it daily. I had a a really simple coloured heart system for myself and one red heart was injured, broken wing. And I each day I tried a little bit more. And when I got up to three red hearts, I moved on to one orange one. And I made myself a little system to gauge my progress. Obviously, three purple hearts with that system was being able to wait bear and do my yoga. And that took 12 weeks, but every single day was this incremental change through being present to how it was today, through emotionally handling myself, constraining my panic and my fear and my anxiety, and being kind to myself and reminding myself that something huge had happened. And I had to find this deep compassion for myself and this deep forgiveness for myself. And I was trained in Ho'oponopono many years ago where we repeat this phrase, thank you, I love you, I'm sorry, please forgive me, over and over again in any order. And I found myself defaulting to these brilliant words Thank you. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And it was as if I was saying, I'm so sorry for whatever it is that I've done to have this difficulty, this diagnosis. And please forgive me. And it's part of the experience that I've agreed to have this lifetime. And thank you for what I'm learning from it. And I love you for managing it. And I had to say that to myself over and over and over again. I can't tell you. To manage the emotional possibility of feeling defeated. I'm a movement teacher. I'm a yoga teacher. I'm a structural integration practitioner. And all the people that I was treating, I had to say, sorry, can't help you. And that can be emotionally debilitating. So I had to find this deep Uh, presence and being present to how it is, not how I think it should be. And I had to put all my spiritual training and all my physical training together and somehow recognize the emotions that were coming in going, no, 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 I can't do that. No, you should be able to do that. What on earth? You're a yoga therapist, for God's sake. You should be able to do that. Those voices, and we all have them, I know we do, it's human 
greatness had to be handled by me emotionally and by my friends and my family who were just amazing. So there were two huge things. The loving had to come from inside of me and it also came from outside of me. And I, in that collective, in that beautiful community amongst my friends and my colleagues and messages from people that I don't even know, had to absorb that kindness emotionally and it changed my body. It gave me the power to modify what I was doing in such a way that I could do it with bioemotional intelligence. I am trained in micro movement. I am trained in fascial integration and, and release techniques. I'm trained in structural integration. I teach it. You know, it's not like I don't know intellectually what's going on. But when it was happening to me, I was overwhelmed. My systems, all of them, were emotionally shocked. Surgery is a shocking process. It doesn't matter who's having it. It doesn't matter how smart you are. You are trusting your life to other people. And it's frightening. And if that isn't emotional, I don't know what is. And if anyone tries to tell me that that doesn't change your biology, give me a break. We have to find a new language that makes sense somehow of our experience as being moved by things, moved to stop, moved to try, moved to attempt to make a difference, moved to do micro movements. And that process of being moved is an emotional process. And the process of changing those moves and moving intelligently or seeking out the knowledge to move intelligently is an emotional process. Who do I ask? How do I know this help is for real? And that emotional intelligence that we need is something that comes from deep within us and our instinctive awareness of what works, which we can be so frightened sometimes we can't even think straight or imagine what it could be. But it's not mechanical. If I had sat there with with a weight in my hand, pushing and pulling and pushing and pulling and doing completely unnatural movements. I'm not criticizing weight training. I do it and I love it. But post-surgical, I needed to practice tiny micro-movement versions of the movements I needed to make. Subtle spirals, little presses, little pulls towards me, little shoulder rolls, little opening and closing of my arm at the elbow tiny, tiny movements. And I couldn't do them. And I could compare them with my other shoulder or my other elbow or my other hand or my other wrist or my other arm, whatever it was. But it was the emotional intelligence 
that I had to call on and ask for from colleagues and use the feedback and filter it through my own beingness, checking it out, that brought me to a place within 12 weeks where I had no tethering, no cording and no problem. It wasn't because I was intellectualizing about the research or the biomechanics of the levers of the different aspects of the art. There are no levers in nonlinear biologic forms. There aren't any. It doesn't matter if it's been in history for hundreds of years. It's a mistake. There's a wonderful book called Descartes' Error. And I think we should call Levers Borelli's error. And I'm sorry to anyone who's got the Borelli Prize for biomechanics. It doesn't apply to humans being. The definition of a lever is an open two-bar chain. That means two bars are open. There are no two bars to anything that looks like a lever in the human body that are both open. They're attached. It also has a pin joint and moves in one plane. You don't get to reclassify the levers to bend the metaphor to fit the fact that there aren't any. And no, I do not have a qualification in biomechanics. But find me anything in nature, any flower, any tree, any animal, any insect, any bird, any fish, anything natural, living, that has a lever in it. There just aren't any. There simply aren't any. Technically, technically, You could even say that even though they look like levers, Pinocchio doesn't have any levers. They start as levers because they're open two-bar chains and they're bolted together to act like one, but they still need strings. We don't have strings, obviously. I've read, oh my goodness, I can't tell you how many times, people that have challenged the idea of anatomy of parts, Cartesian reductionism, and how it doesn't make sense of science. Candace Pert, Molecules of Emotion. She writes about how a turf deal was done between René Descartes and the Pope to get permission to dissect human bodies. And in that turf deal, the church retained jurisdiction over the mind, the being, the soul, the spirit, and the invisible forces of awareness. And science could have the body, the dead body. And that was developed in order to assist living bodies. And we've done amazing things. Don't get me wrong. We've done amazing things with science and of medicine. It's incredible. I'm alive because of medicine and surgery. 
So please don't think in any way I'm denigrating it. I am just on my knees begging for a different language. We are not mechanical. Our hearts are not engines. They're not even pumps. I know, that's great, big, huge, but that's another conversation for another day. And I might have it with somebody much more qualified than me to have it. And I'm not trying to persuade anybody that I'm right. I'm just asking, pleading, begging for us to let go of this idea that the body functioning parts are separate mechanical features of a being whose beingness is separate. That's bonkers. And it's going to take not tens of us, not hundreds of us, not thousands of us, but millions of us to wake up to the fact that what animates this body, the one you're in, yours, the one that's listening to me now, what animates that is your spirit. What if there's one soul expressing itself through billions of bodies, each one's beingness being unique? Not biomechanical, biomotionally aware of where they are in space and where they are in time at the time. You don't need to be mentally aware. You don't need to know the name of where you live. You live there. You are there. And the ability to be present to that in present time is your ability to move. And moving is your sign of life. And breath is the fundamental movement. Respiration, respiriting. You can't stop yourself breathing. You'll pass out. Something other than you breathes you. And it's bioemotionally intelligent. And it's not that it's a whole other thing. It's that it's something much more than biomechanics. And that's the long answer. That's the very long answer to my heartfelt experience that I needed to find a bioemotional awareness or intelligence or frequency to move with, to restore the optimal motion available to me. It was quite a test. Because to be honest, I didn't think I could face the clients that I'd helped if I couldn't move. Do you know what I mean? And I don't know what made the difference. I don't know whether it was other people's support. I don't know whether it was my faith. I don't know whether it was spirit. I don't know whether it was the work that I've done over the years accumulating this knowledge. I don't know. And I suspect it was all of them. And I just invite you not to worry too much about being able to name every muscle in the body and every joint and every bone 
as if that makes you a better movement teacher. Personally, I think compassion, respect, kindness, working together, all the things that we do for each other, serving ourselves and serving each other, is as high, if not higher, a qualification. And yes, it's very useful to know your anatomy and know where you are in the body. But don't forget, naming insertions and bones and parts is like naming postcodes, which is great. And the postcode doesn't tell you whether it's a post office or a block of flats or a castle or a house or a shed. It doesn't tell you about the accommodation. It just tells you where it is. And that accommodation is basically your fascial matrix with all the other stuff in it. And that, my darlings, makes it a very different story to the one that we've inherited. Stay curious, stay close, stay well, and God bless you.